You're listening to the Lean Six Sigma for Good podcast. We help you learn how Lean and Six Sigma concepts can be applied to nonprofits, NGOs, and not-for-profit organizations. Visit us at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. So we've got Brad Miller here. He's um, a professor with uh, the Bauer School at um, the University of Houston. Um, and you're teaching. What I had first learned about you was through the um, your supply chain management course. I saw these videos that had been posted on YouTube from your students um, taking your class that were applying in their real um, in their home life and in projects on campus. Uh, these methods that you were teaching them, and then you were uploading a lot of your own personal videos. And so I was just really impressed with the program as a way to really get people to practice uh, with, with real-life applications of these tools and concepts. Um, and then I noticed some of the, uh, a couple of the projects were related to the nonprofit, which is something that um, our division is really trying to promote, is how do we get these concepts into organizations that are working on, like, sustainable development goals and um, important issues. So um, maybe you could start with a little bit of background, uh, how sure. you got into your um, your background we just briefly touched on, but also then your teaching career. Maybe we'll start there. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I started my career in manufacturing, and um, my undergraduate degree is in mechanical engineering, and so got a degree in manufacturing, and, I, you know, I... Uh, didn't really know, being young, I read out of school, didn't really know uh, what it was that I uh, was destined to do, um, but got mm -hmm. into manufacturing and making things. So the first company I worked at, we were making shopping carts, um, and I guess the, the short story of how I got into process improvement was um, I was young, uh, newly married, and uh, we were headed into a, a busy season. The, the demand had just ramped up, and so my boss um, told me, um, hey, you've been doing good managing this little part of the manufacturing process on first shift. Um, I want you to manage the whole second shift. You know, just come in and you'll manage the whole mm -hmm. thing. And um, I'll tell you what, I, I started that. I didn't really know what second shift was all about, but I started doing that, mm -hmm. and I hated it. I did not want to be there um, on second shift. Just the hours were, uh, were you know, were terrible for, uh, <laughs> you know, being a, um, a newlywed. My wife was working, too, so, um, you know, we never oh, yeah. saw each other. So I went into my boss and said, I don't like this. I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, he said, well, um, you know, this, we've got to have, you know, the second shift on because we, we have to double our capacity. Um, and this is the only way to do it. Now, you know, I don't know if you can figure out a way to get twice as much done with the same people in first shift, then, you know, <laughs> we won't have to do it. And um, so I didn't know anything about process improvement. All I knew is, I guess some of the systems thinking uh, from mechanical engineering and um, just looking at the process and seeing how the process was working and what it was we were trying to accomplish and what people were doing. Um, and uh, I ended up working with him and we figured out a way to, to more than double the production just on first, just doing it on first shift. And when we had did, did that, I mean, there were a lot of challenges and things, of course, going through it, but, um, when I did it, I looked back and I said, well, this was fun. Like, I enjoyed this, you know, and so that's yeah. kind of where I, I learned that um, this is what I really enjoy doing and, and just realized that I'd really been doing this for a long time, thinking this way, and just really enjoyed it. So uh, pursued learning more about it, got to practice 
in um, in other companies, a company making silicon wafers for the semiconductor industry, and one making um, high security door locks. Um, and progressively, lean was becoming more popular in in manufacturing, and, and started to get to experience some of that, um, uh, some of the concepts, and then sort of pursued it uh, pursued it on my own, learning and practicing on my own as well. Um, so um, I uh, I realized that the part of my job that I really enjoyed was coaching and teaching. Uh, others how they can improve their own work um, and so we investigated a variety of ways to do that that's when I got involved with with academics um, got a PhD in industrial engineering went up and taught um, in taught process improvement and and um, uh, lean six sigma concepts at uh, the Ohio State University uh, for a while and now uh, down in Houston at the Bauer College of Business um, here in um, in Houston, um, and love it. You know, I love uh, teaching the concepts, bringing some of my experience that I had in manufacturing to the classroom. Um, and I tell my students this: um, I'll, I'll teach. So, for instance, this fall, I'll teach about almost 150 students um, these concepts okay. from Lean and Six Sigma. Um, and I tell them, you know, I, you know, all of them will learn. The concepts and the definitions and how the things work together, um, but I always tell them there will be a few of you, and it's usually I don't know somewhere between maybe 15, 20 out of those students that I feel really kind of get it, and uh, as I'm talking with them, like their eyes brighten up and open up, and you can really tell something has clicked in their mind to that this is a new way of thinking about how work gets done. Um, yeah. So uh, that I mean, that's kind of what I live for—is that moment, those moments when uh, when people really, uh, really understand it and they can begin to apply it for themselves. Yeah, that's great. Um, you also mentioned um, about kind of the practical application of that, those concepts. Like, uh, that's what you liked—that it wasn't so much uh, maybe getting wrapped up in the academia side of it. Yeah, so I think before we, uh, a few moments ago when we were sort of introductory, you and I were, were getting to know each other a little better. I was just saying I, I like um, teaching in in the business college because um, I get to teach those industrial engineering um, Lean Six Sigma concepts, and we definitely, we use the math. You know, the students are required to, to understand some of the math behind it, but the bigger piece of process improvement is how that, how the math, how that translates into changing the way people work, and um, that doesn't happen with a in a command. It doesn't happen well, in my opinion, uh, in a command and control environment. I'm the boss. I'm telling you, this is the way we're going to do things. Do it the way I'm saying. That tends to yeah. backfire. Um, and uh, I know that from experience. I've, that was my first uh, my first job role, trying to change people's. Uh, got lots of stories about that, but trying to change people's um, way of doing work. And uh, wow, it was like you know, it was like pushing a rope. It was just uh, not fun at all. Um, but that it works so much better when your management practices you actually change the culture in the organization so that the people in the organization come up with these ideas, come up with ways of, of improving on their own. Um, and many times they're, they're actually able to, to 
change things or make improvements uh, better than you would. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so I, that's, I, I love doing that. And then I've noticed that like the supply chain management seems to teach this quite a bit, probably that in the industrial engineering in terms of like um, people who are coming out of school with some of this knowledge already, which I think is great that we're seeing more and more students right. with uh, getting introduced to this in the school level. So, um, but I was just kind of surprised. Uh, I never expected the supply chain management to be a driver of that as well, but I guess it makes sense to me as I think about what they do and um, so is that something that's been that's yeah. changed over the years? Has that always kind of been there or is this kind of been a part of the supply chain management growth in that field? Yeah, I think um, the the term the terminology the like the um, the concept of some of a field of study called supply chain management is relatively new um, Packaging that together the way that I explain um, this to students is um, yeah, I don't know when many of your viewers were uh, were in school, but I know when I was in school, I, we took a class called operations management, right? Which was, mm -hmm. um, you know, this is how we manage our operation and how we do things inside of this little box. And of course, we have to interact with suppliers and we have to interact with customers. Um, that's kind of part of it, but you know, most of the the meat of what really happens is inside of this little box. And yeah. um, people started to realize. When every company uh, along the what we now refer to as the supply chain, when every company does that, tries to optimize their own little black box, um, they end up sub-optimizing the entire supply chain um, where everybody's sort of looking out for themselves. Uh, and it's just like in, in a manufacturing process where you have multiple <laughs> processes. Up. I can do something in my step of the process that makes things very good for me but makes it worse for the per next person down the down the line. Uh, and companies were realizing, you know, we can really offer our products and services higher quality, cheaper, faster, um, if we collaborate together and figure out ways to uh, to optimize the entire chain or to uh, move toward um, higher efficiencies in the entire chain as opposed to sub-optimizing the individual parts. Um, but a lot of the concepts, there's a lot of overlap between supply chain management and industrial engineering. Um, everything from uh, inventory management, warehouse optimization, the way that uh, you know, material management moves around a, a, a business way, inventory moves around a business or the way that you manage your inventory levels, of course, with Lean and Six Sigma, the operations piece, how the actual work gets done, as well as uh, figuring out um, logistics algorithms for you know where to put warehouses or how to get move trucks around and move material around the country yeah. so uh, you know all of those things are kind of more born in industrial engineering and the math concepts are um, you know heavy into the industrial engineering side but again in supply chain management in every one of our classes we focus on the management components of if you are a manager managing these things how do you coordinate the work of the people that are working for you to actually make make that happen? The, how do you build those relationships? How do you build that that culture? So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so then, so you have the students who are going through one of the particular classes, I think, um, where you're teaching lean. Mm -hmm. um, part I noticed that they have a a like very simple, like a quick or 
quick Kaizen or a two-second lean type of improvement, and then it kind of escalates up to a, a little bit bigger improvement, and then maybe a, a full Kaizen at the end. Um, is that how I'm understanding, just kind of looking at the videos? Yeah, in my you know, in my class, the way it's structured, they're different assignments. So um, I I feel like, and I'm sure you and, and many of your viewers um, can sense this, it's different to learn about lean or to learn about lean concepts, uh, tools, techniques, and Six Sigma as well. Um, it's different when you actually practice them. Now, some of the practice uh, we can do in the classroom. So, you know, in the class, I can do uh, a sim where I can get students in smaller groups and we can do a, um, you know, a root cause analysis and I can walk them through each of the groups kind of going through that and seeing how that personal interaction works with that or an interrelationship diagram um, or a prioritization matrix. And those are things that they can then experience in the classroom. Um, but one thing that I that is going to be more meaningful to students is if they actually make improvements in their own life. And I found that um, if students are able to uh, to improve their own processes, things that are meaningful to them, it'll tend to stick more. Uh, and again, like I mentioned before, not with everybody, but uh, you know, <laughs> but I, I get a better I get a better hit rate if I can do that. So um, I force. I guess force all of my students uh, to do one small improvement, um, and uh, you know that kind of that idea comes from uh, Paul Akers, who's a real proponent of uh, the two-second lean, just to fix what bugs you. you know, something's not right. Let's just make the change and fix it. Um, and it's something really, you know, really, really simple. I, I mean, well, I don't want to bore all your people, but this is just one of mine from just recently is on my phone case. I've got these little port. Um, you probably can't see it on the camera, but I've got these little port yeah. covers because they get filled with lint. Um, and one I like using when I am in the car because I've got an older car. I plug in instead of using uh, Bluetooth. And so mm -hmm. I've got this one port that, um, uh, you know, for the where the headphones go in, the headphone jack or the audio jack. Um, and it was hard for me to pull that out with the phone case and uh, those sorts of things. So what I did is I just tied a thread around it, a real short thread, so that it's real easy. I don't know if you can see that, but it's just on a thread. Yeah. And uh, it's easy for me to pull out, easy for me to find, easy for me to put back in. And that cost me nothing, right? It was like a little piece of thread. I just right. tied it around there. But it makes, you know, and it's a small improvement, but it's it's those sorts of things that I want students to experience, to say you don't have to, you know, you don't have to um, struggle with this thing and just say, well, that's just the way life is. You also don't have to go on Amazon and look for the, you know, the expensive technology solution. Well, I just need a, I just need a new phone with, you know, that's able to do something different. Um, yeah. You can, I Pretty easy. It didn't take me much time. It didn't take any money at all. And you can make that change. Um, and so I want students to experience that. Give them, I force every one of them to do one of those. I give them opportunities to do others um, for extra credit. But then I, uh, the project, the some of the project videos that you see online is a full semester project. Um, and I lead them through the entire process of um, of improving a real process. Um, something that's meaningful to them in their lives or something um, that one of the students uh, can experience. Some of them will don't have access to work locations, so they'll do yeah. um, 
they'll sort of reorganize someone's kitchen and work it around the, the meal cooking processes in a kitchen. You may have heard about Six Sigma certification. If you've done any investigation on it, you'll see that the prices can be kind of expensive. We've partnered up with OpEx Learning to provide a much more affordable option. You can select from white belt at $49 US, yellow belt for $99, green belt for $299, and black belt for $499. In addition to the lower cost, you'll find the content is accelerated, much of the unnecessary content removed. So you can focus on the core tools and concepts you need to know. When you hit the green belt and black belt level, you can choose between Minitab or Sigma XL. And if you'd like to get a certification, you can add that on for $200 for the green belt level and $350 for the black belt level. To learn more, go to Lean Six Sigma for good and under the resources tab, look for Six Sigma certifications. But a lot of students, you mentioned nonprofits, uh, some of them are volunteering different places. And so they, um, uh, they'll do it at the places where they volunteer. A lot of them have internships. Um, and uh, and co-ops and so they'll do these projects at their uh, at their co-ops co or their internships the places where they're working they'll find a process a real business process that where they can see that there's problems and then they work over the semester at how to improve it and we start with me teaching them how to identify waste um, and that's kind of how we scope out the projects as i say you just have to be able to see the waste you don't have to know how to fix it. You just have to be able to see that there's waste. If you see that there's waste, we can we can find ways to improve it. Um, there are teams of typically four, five, six students each. Um, and they go in, they start looking at waste, they map out the processes, we do some analytics on the processes. Um, they work with the employees that are actually doing the work in those businesses um, to figure out ways that uh, ways to improve. And I, I really help I really coach the students that you are not telling the company or telling the workers how to improve their work. You are leading them through the improvement process that I'm leading through you through in class. You become the teacher and you get to teach these same concepts to the people that are in those processes and you're going to be collaborative and figure this out. Um, I guess one of my favorite, now this isn't, uh, we can talk about the nonprofits. I know that's what you, you guys are really interested in. And okay. those, both those that you brought up were really interesting. But one of my favorites was um, one of my students came to me and she said, uh, hey, she said, my dad owns a, um, owns a, a mechanic shop, a car, he's a car mechanic. He owns this little shop and he, he does transmission rebuilds and replaces transmissions. Um, she says that I can see, I, you know, when I walk into the shop, I can see it looks like some of the things you showed us in class that there's some waste <laughs> there. Um, she said, the problem is I've never helped him do anything in the shop. She said, I, I don't know anything about cars or anything about building transmissions. So I don't know how we're going to do this. I said, <laughs> I said, you tell, you know, tell me what waste do you see? And she showed, told me some of the things that she could see waste wise. And I said, then we can fix it. I said, but you aren't the one that is going to do the project. It's your dad who's going to, this is the first time, you know, that you got your teacher telling you, you can let your parents <laughs> do your homework this time because <laughs> your dad's going to do this project and you're, you and your team will be there to facilitate, be there to be a resource for the, for him to do a lot of the, the heavy lifting, the, the physical work. But, you know, you're going to train, teach him to be able to see waste and then he will, he will figure out ways of improving this. Um, and I remember her telling me, she said, I told my dad about this, but he said, well, you can, 
you're welcome to come and let your group, you know, work in my shop and, and help me out with this. He said, but I've been doing this for 20 years. I've already figured out the best way to build a transmission. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, but I, I want to help you. So if you say it's helpful to you and your professor lets you do it, then great. Come on in and we'll show you around. Uh, he ended up, and that video is up on YouTube, but I forget what it was. It was something like he reduced the time it takes to rebuild a transmission by 60% or something like that, and it cost him, wow. like, you know, less than $50 in, like, material stuff to to organize things to make it happen. And um, uh, anyway, he so, you know, it's those fun, those are fun, fun to see. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, those concepts are, really applicable in business too. I mean, there's, um, I think people think, well, it's a, I'm working for a company and they got money. And, um, so we're going to go straight to some kind of high tech solution or fancy solution. Cause they, I want to, I want to make it look nice and, and make it look like I, uh, yep. you know, I, I came up with this awesome, cool solution, but, uh, right. I think it's really actually when you get in there, it, it is really practical solutions like that that are most effective. Um, yeah. And you can actually get somewhere without, oh, we got to get a quote and then we got to wait three weeks and compare and then you put it in place and it doesn't work. And yep. now you're even in worse situations. So these like low cost solutions are really uh, the right way to go. Yeah, it's creativity first. And I tell my students, yep. I say, look, uh, these in these projects, it's low cost or no cost. That's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and some students will say, well, you know, um, the company said that they've wanted to buy, you know, I don't know, some piece of technology to help improve the process, and they've, they've already committed to doing it. And I tell them, that's fine. They can, you know, if you're if that's what the company wanted to do and they're, they're going to put that in, then great. I said, but you're not for the project. You won't get credit. That won't contribute toward your grade at all because I want you to use the no-cost, low-cost, creative solutions mm -hmm. where all you're doing is removing, is really removing waste. Um, you know the the thing that we say in, in Lean, you know, if you just uh, take automation or some piece of technology and try to uh, to replicate a process, many times what you end up doing is you end up uh, replicating the waste. You end up automating waste, just buying yeah. some. And then when the process changes, which it will, and the custom, when the customer needs change, all of a sudden your technology is out of date, obsolete, and you've got to buy something new. I, yeah, or you're stuck let's with that solution. Be creative. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It limits you then, right? So let's be creative, yeah. and yeah. it's fun. Cool. Um, so the, how did the connection, how was the connection made with the students that already had a connection with the nonprofits like Healing Souls and Project Cure, yeah. or where they did they go seek that out? Because I think that's something we're trying to figure out with our division is how can we connect up the students with uh, an Got organization it. Preferably a nonprofit in their area, and how can that connection? Or I guess what what has worked on with those organizations or other organizations like that in terms of making that right. initial connection and uh, is that established relationship really important? Is that a key thing? I guess. Yeah. Well, I've done it both ways. Um, there, I, I have for projects in the past had a company that has um, approached me and said, "Hey, we'd like you to do a, an event, you know, at our." at our location with students okay. um, and use that as a project. Um, and I've done that if the company provides a lot of, uh, if, all, if the company's willing to provide that support. Um, 
I will tell you that the projects that I do now, I, I mean, large, large, large majority is the students going out and finding that themselves. Um, okay. And the reason that I think that that works best is that they have established relationships in those companies. So they've been working as an intern. They know the people that are in those job roles. You know, they've been working with the managers. They have those established relationships. So much about Lean and the way that you improve processes is building and sustaining those relationships that the projects become easier if there is if there's an established relationship there already where people are actually doing the work. A lot of times it's the students, it's what the students do. So, um, you know, in an internship, uh, they, they have a job role and in their job role, they see a lot of that waste and they say, I just want to make an improvement to my own job. I mean, that's the best, yeah. you know, the best way to do, um, to do a project in the two cases that you brought up with the nonprofits, uh, Project Cure, and then the Healing Souls um, organization, uh, the students, there was a student um, in each of those groups that uh, had, that. that's just what they did, they volunteered there. You know, they wanted to give back to the community and that's kind of what uh, they had a passion around. Um, and so they just, uh, they of course asked their, um, you know, their supervisors at those companies, hey, can I bring in some more students and improve these parts of the uh, the process? and um, but it was they already they were already doing the work they were already involved with it they were you know they were frustrated with the way the processes were going um, and they mm -hmm. wanted uh, they wanted it to be better uh, but they didn't know how and so uh, they explored it using using project and those two really turned out really turned out well. Okay, yeah. So I think um, it does sound like that's an important element is to have that connection or uh, work with the organization that you already have a foot in the door or. I've already kind of reached out to them, um, and I'm wondering if probably it, if it comes off better as students approach versus if you were out there trying to make the connections, would it be as easier, would they embrace it more, or maybe it is better without the students are the ones making the contact? Uh, for me, now, I think, you know, I think your organization could, you could probably find ways to do it in, in different ways for the context of my class. Um, it works out best if the students are the ones that are initiating that relationship um, mm -hmm. because they're able to keep that ball rolling. So a lot of times in an organization, um, I found that the the management in an organization, things pop up. I mean, my, my projects are a whole semester long, right? So during right. that semester, the managers get distracted by other things that are happening and, uh, you know, in the business, um, yeah. understandably so. And so then, you know, this little student group that wants to come in sort of takes a backseat to, you know, what a, whatever else is happening in their business that's commanding their attention. Um, and students, I think my students have a different perspective if they are handed a project and they say, oh, hey, group, you can do your project in this company. Then there's um, kind of that sense that, well, then, you know, this company should be helping to facilitate what how that project goes, which I think mm -hmm. that the, the company should, but sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas if it's the students that have taken the initiative, they have the drive, they have that sort of internal motivation to say, no, this is what I want to improve. I'm going to make this happen, you know, and it's, um, 
they initiated it. Uh, they're the ones that built that relationship to make that happen to get in there. And so they're the ones that end up seeing it through. And I'll often see projects where there's difficulties or challenges midway through um, with just accessibility in the organization. Uh, and then, you know, the students that have, have chased after those opportunities themselves, they, they sort of have that energy to go um, to go and, and, and push forward to, to make that to make that happen, that project happen. So are you the coach basically for their project? So are they they're coming back with here's what we learned, here's what we did, and you're asking those questions and kind of leading them yeah. through that project? Yes. So the way I manage my my projects is that I have um, milestones, um, you know, baby step milestones all the way through. So for instance. Um, you know, uh, well, you know, one of the first steps is find a project and tell me what it is and why, why this pro, why you think this might be a good project. I want them to tell me about the waste that's in there, right? Um, then mm -hmm. another milestone is uh, show me a video of the process happening. And that way, I, it's not, it's not a real gimba for me, but at least I can yeah. see their gimba a little bit from a from a third person perspective. Um, and it helps me to kind of weed out there's sometimes when I just I want them to be successful and I want their first experience in doing process improvement to be successful. There's some that I can see are going to be more challenging just by watching what's going on. Um, so yeah. I help guide students away from that. Right. Um, the next milestone is I want you to list all of the steps that happen in the process that you see in the video. Okay. So let's just watch the video mm -hmm. and write down what happens. And I want you to mark yeah. the ones that I want you to mark the ones that are value added or something some transformation is actually happening. Um, and so I have those as little assignments, right? And then I grade those as, I, as I'm going through. Um, and it gives me an opportunity to then coach students to say, hey, you know, let's reevaluate this, or, you know, you, you're not seeing what I'm seeing with this. Uh, sometimes I'll request that student groups come in and chat with me um, in person where we can talk about things or uh, help develop solutions together or uh, you know, talk about what it, what an approach might be for the project. Um, and so then, I, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis, I um, will do individual coaching then with each with each team. But I try to give each team individualized advice all the way through um, to help them to be successful. But it's up to them to actually do that implementation. It's up to them to actually, um, you know, to, to make those changes happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're probably getting a lot of good uh, change management uh and practical skills working with the organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you, I'll tell you a little bit just because you had asked about it. I guess we didn't talk about it much. Um, if you'd like to hear, um, I loved the the uh, the project Cure was a good, uh, that was a yeah. really fun project to do, um, especially since a lot of the classic stuff that happens in a process improvement happened during that project where Want to better organize your work area or bring 5S methods into your organization? Check out the 5S guide from Creative Safety Supply. You also get three free bonuses. Bonus number one, free 5S poster. Bonus number two, free 5S PowerPoint. And bonus number three, free 5S audit card. Go to leansixsigmaforgood.com slash 5S for the free downloads. They also provide floor tape markings, labels, signs, foam tool organizers, red tags, label printers, and other organization tools. Make sure you use code BPI at checkout to save 10%. They wanted to go to smaller batch size, right? Um, small, you know, smaller batches, more 
toward a one, you know, toward a one piece flow, not technically a one piece flow, like take one sure. part off of a truck and classify it, but at least smaller batches to help things flow through. And um, the manager at the business was, uh, you know, was saying, well, we've done things this way. This is the way we've always done things. And this is the way, you know, <laughs> you're welcome to make things neater and put some labels on stuff, but don't mess with the way that the whole work is being done because I like it that way. You know, that was sort of the mm-hmm. thing. Um, I've already so figured it out. <laughs> I coached them. Yeah, right. And so I coached them to say, hey, look, um, you know, and this, you know, I just said this happens a lot. So why don't we try this tech? Well, why don't you go and say, hey, um, instead of redesigning the whole process of the way you do things, can we take this one small category and just create kind of a, a pilot area over to the side where um, this little pilot area, we would cla- we would classify or organize um, the stuff for this one category of, of uh, supplies that come into Project Cure in this one little area, and it will be a model of the way things could be. Um, and then that way we could just kind of see if it, if, it, if it doesn't work, you know, if we do it and it's slower and less reliable and the quality is, is less and it's more frustrating, well then it'll it won't be a big change it's just moving a couple of tables around and that's you know pretty easy we can move it back it's it, it nothing's changed really um but if it works at least you'll be able to see that it works and it will give you some ideas about maybe the way that you could you know roll this out to you know the rest of the business and um so we got to we got to do that so they had to you know the, that was some negotiation right that they had to do sure. to create sort of this little pilot line um and as it ended up, it was a huge, huge improvement, and uh, and and was really received well. Um, I love the one, the Healing Souls project was one where um, this was a, a, a. If you've seen the video, and I'm, maybe you can put the link in your yeah, you video notes sure. or something. Put a yeah. link to that one. Um, that was really fun. So the team came to me and said, "We've got this uh, this." Um, charity where we go and we pick up these shoes and then we take them downtown uh, to where there's a, a lot of homeless folks and we sort of set up shop down there um, and they come in and they'll trade out their old shoes with holes and everything in them and then we give them a, um, you know, a new or a less used pair of shoes and we have to find the right size, we have to find the style that they want, you know, those sorts of things and um, you'll see in the video how it was originally organized and uh, so I remember for that team, um, I was, they were telling me a little about their gimba, but I wasn't really un- understanding it much. And I said, um, I said, let me, I would love to come out with you and I'll help you do it. They did it on like a Saturday or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me come out with you on Saturday and do the, you know, do the, um, the process with you. And that way I can kind of experience that gimba as well. Um, and it was so much fun because as you and your viewers know, one of the most important things about Lean is that you have to have your customer in mind. You have to know who's my customer, what is it that my customer wants. You can do all kinds of things to improve your internal processes that may make your company's profit better or, you know, whatever internal metrics you have that makes those numbers look better, makes you look good, right? But if it doesn't make a difference to the, in the customer's mind, to the customer, then you haven't really done anything. I mean, you've got to make, you've got, it has to have an impact on the customer. Um, and the really neat thing about that project is the customer is right there. 
And so yeah. we yeah. were able to identify. And so we had a discussion. What is it that the customer, what is it that you can see that the customer struggles with? Right. You know, and there was like, well, it was disorganization and they were fighting to get in front of one another. And they then when they saw sh a shoe that they wanted or, you know, whatever that, um, you know, they were frustrated that you couldn't find the right size or um, you didn't know who was next. It was like this big mob and you didn't know who was next in line and how that all worked. And, and then it was taking forever. Like we timed out how long it took to um, uh, how long it took to to interact with a, a, one of the customers there, you know, I forget what the timing was, but it was just a lot, you know, it was a long time. And so it was like, yeah. well, what does the customer want? Well, the customer wants to find exactly the shoe that they want in the size they want it. And they want it to take as little time as possible. Uh, and then we also identified uh, in that project that one of the outcomes that we wanted is that most of the people that were involved and you'll see this in the video, most of the people that were involved with that process were, had their head in a box, looking around like for the right shoe <laughs> and that is not face-to-face -face interaction with the with the customer and so one of the things that we wanted to do is reconfigure the process so that the volunteers actually had more meaningful eye-to-eye -eye contact respectful contact with their customers um, and that was important I mean, that's a side effect of this is showing you know some human respect uh, for folks in this in this yeah. situation, um, and so that's really how we redesign the process is uh, is to not only provide faster, higher quality service, but we did it in a way that was that respected the humanity of the the customers, the people that were coming and getting these shoes. And I thought that was uh, that was just a, a really really cool, very unique project. So yeah, yeah, um, and I, I think that's a, a great message too. Is you know we want to not this isn't about just making you work faster. It's actually free you up so you can do the more valuable thing. And especially like in some nonprofits, it's that interaction that is really critical with their volunteers to make sure yes. that they're feeling part of the organization and the mission and with their the people they're serving to make sure that they're getting a, having a good experience and not just to send them through the the soup kitchen line, but to actually have a time to talk to them, and that's that's value added for this process. So uh, I think that's a really important piece. Yeah, yeah especially in a lot of um, yeah, in a lot of face-to-face -face nonprofit organizations, that's uh, that's an important outcome. Um, and if you can remove the waste, this is what we discussed in this project, right? If you can remove the waste from the physical stuff that has to happen in that process. If you can remove the waste from that, it frees you up to have more time to have face-to-face -face interaction with uh, with another human being, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Anuj, did you have any questions? Yeah, and like uh, I really uh, like uh, the one of the pro projects that we did at nonprofit at Dunwoody is like you mentioned that it's very important to have like the students make the connection. But for our project, it was a kind of a reverse thing that we, we as a faculty, we had one connection with a nonprofit, which is called Second Harvest Heartland. And uh, we secured a project from them and like by having like multiple meetings over the last summer. And we understood like what exactly they need and then we paired like a couple of students to them, like with them. And uh, I, I see, I really get your point that it's very important that it comes from the student. And I think that's the best. I, I would completely agree to that. That because they identify the nonprofit from the project by themselves, so they are like more enthusiastic. 
and but like one thing definitely we also observed like the students were like when they like initially started working with the project on the project with Second Harvest Heartland, which is a food bank uh, in mm -hmm. Minneapolis. Initially, there was some like uh, there was a rough period because it was like they were not like exactly knowing the nonprofit what exactly they are doing, what is their process. It was a lot of like data oriented projects, so it was a little bit of overwhelming. But once they started to get some results and they could see like where the nonprofit can use the results for like uh, like betterment of the community, they got more and more engaged and they got like more more and more enthusiastic actually. And I think the nonprofit drive, like how their work will impact the community, was the strongest motivation for the students to be involved in the project. Sure. And yeah, like, yeah. And so I think it was, can work that way. Yeah, I'm letting you know. You know, in my in my classroom context, uh, the way it is right now, it works well for students to pick their own. I, I think it can absolutely work, uh, you know, where you have organizations that approach you or where you approach organizations and, and yeah. talk with them. Um, yeah. I will tell you, I think that the um, that your your folks will need to be facilitators of that relationship uh, yeah. to help maintain that relationship. There has to be initiative on both sides, both your yep. students or your volunteers that are going, as well as yep. the management of that organization. If either of them drop the ball, the, the thing will happen, at least that's been my experience. Yep. Um, and so you you and your, your members then are, are the facilitators of that. Um, and you kind of have to stay on top of, you know, how are things going? Are they able to meet? Are they able to go in and have appointments to go in and actually see the processes happen, um, yep. see how that works. But I completely agree with you. I'll tell you, you know, I learn a lot about, um, um, I don't know what generation we're in right now, the the millennial generation, uh, but a lot of them are very, a, a lot of the young people that are, um, that are coming out of high school, coming out of college, uh, are very philanthropic. They have a, they have a real desire to, um, to make a difference, to make a difference in people's lives, people that are underrepresented or people that um, are having struggles or issues in life and, and really wanting to make a difference and help those folks. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's a real great, it's a great way to get younger people involved is providing these opportunities. So I'm really glad you guys are doing that. Yeah. You also mentioned the, the videos as a way to, for you to see the Gemba. I, I think these days it's almost essential to have that ability to videotape now, and that is our Gemba walks, so to speak, because we can't go into some of these areas or we shouldn't be going into these areas physically. Sure. Um, so do you feel like that works fairly well in terms of you being able to tell what's going on with a, a videotape? It's not perfect, but a, yeah. a video recording well, of it. It does for me, it does for me as a coach, uh, because from a coaching role, I can kind of see what's happening in there. Um, I, you know, I'm just a, a B, this is my perspective on process improvement. Um, I'm a firm believer that you cannot uh, improve a process at a fundamental level remotely. It's something that you really need to be in the Gemba with. And I tell my students, I mean, there's different levels of being in Gemba. Um, you know, you need to at least be next to where the process is happening, watching it. Uh, but I tell them even better is when you can go go to the people that are working in that process and say, show me, teach me, teach me how. And then you actually try it because you've yeah. 
physically get to experience what it is that they are they're experiencing, what they have to do daily, every day, all the time, and you get to sense or feel those frustrations, which you don't get to experience on video. Um, but yeah. video, to me, uh, the video component does a couple of things. So one, as a coach, it allows me to kind of see what's happening, and as they make progress through, I can see the changes. Um, and video is better than uh, a lot of times better than just having pictures or a description because I can see the relationship between a lot of the things that are happening in that process. The other mm -hmm. thing that um, I think is really great about video, I don't know if Paul Akers was the one that uh, you know thought up this idea of having uh, people do videos and posting them, uh, but I think it really helps with the engagement when uh, when people that are involved in process improvement see that the work that they are doing is now visible and is helping other people in lean be able to learn from their experience and see what it is that they're doing. You know, it's like I'm I'm sharing this information with the world. You know, this is what this is what we're doing. And then you can learn from that just like in your yeah. coaching or in your instruction. Um, you know, you use videos. You, you'll probably pull up, for instance, the uh, the Healing Souls video, right, or the the yep. uh, Project Cure video, and you'll say, "Hey, you know, take a look at these." When you then video your students' projects or your volunteers' projects um, and post them for the world to see, it gives them a sense of importance that you know what I'm doing. It's influencing more than just this process that I'm working on. It's really influencing the way work gets done, potentially you know, for years to come because people will see this um, and will take that and learn from it, learn from my experience and, and be able to spur on their own creativity. So I, I think it's yeah. really, I think it's good um, for developing that, that sense of importance that what you're doing here is, is important and actually really making a difference larger than just what you see in front of you. So yeah, and I've had, I have a client that, Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say one one of our clients is doing that, and they're seeing that as the way that the culture is changing is the sharing of ideas across different facilities that have similar processes, and they're saying, "Oh, right. I, I like that," and that never probably would have been communicated in the same way. But they see the video of someone talking about it and sharing it, and they're like, "I know that person almost through the video, and I feel like I can reach out to them and ask them more questions, their details." So, yeah, I think it works outside of the organization and inside as well. So I agree. And that's what I we need is that culture change around improvement. Anoush? Yeah. Uh, so, Brad, like, do you uh, ask the students to make video throughout the project, or is it like uh, like they make video in, like, chunks, or they make the video, like, like at the end of the project, like, summarizing yeah. everything? So they make the video in chunks. So, um, you know, I, I tell, for instance, I say, um, video, video the process happening just as you see it when you walk in, right? Um, and so they do that as a video, and that's really a, usually a really long video. And then um, later in the in the project, as they're beginning to make improvements, I have them give me a video tour of the process where they walk through and say, "Well, this is the way things were, and here's how we're changing it," and um, and then show me kind of a midway through how that process looks. Uh, and then finally, at the end, they video the final process actually happening. And then those videos that you see on YouTube um, are not the entire, all of the video content there. Uh, what they've done is they've taken 
snippets, sort of representative pieces of the before, the middle, and the after, and kind of a tour the way through, um, and tried to create a best um, composite of, of the entire project that can be digested. And I tell them, you know, can be digested within less than five minutes is what I'm looking for. So because um, okay. none of us have uh, the uh, <laughs> Right, the attention span to to look more than that. So, and that's really all you need to get the highlights of. This is where the waste was. This is what the uh, the challenges were that we faced. Here's how we. Here's the work that we did, and here were the results. And yep. it should take more than five minutes to to give that message. So, cool. yeah, the time savings I think is really powerful too. Even if it's like I'm saving five seconds a day over a year, that's it's amazing when those when you crunch the numbers on those how much oh time. yeah well yeah and if you're doing a mini improvement if you did you know if you do the process multiple multiple times a day you're saving you can surprise yourself at how much time you can save yeah yeah we've taken up a lot of your time already um, is there anything else that you wanted to share or talk about or things you're working on that um, might be relative to this well, um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm glad that you guys are looking into it. I'm glad that you're using my students as uh, as some ins inspiration, perhaps, for impacting um, some nonprofits and some other organizations. Um, and I'm glad we're in this thing in this thing together. Do you know anyone else who's doing the same kind of approach that you're doing with the student projects? Um, mm in terms of like at home um, applications or you know small improvements that they're sh documenting or sharing have you talked to anybody wow. or I'm sure that there are um, I guess I'm just I'm not aware I haven't I'm either not, I found anybody else but I can't be the only one so uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe yeah, not but publicly like you're sharing that may be the maybe not big difference it does work for me like I said it it um, it brings that I think uh, teaching lean, especially in a college classroom, can come across very, it's very sterile, right? It's just yeah. definitions of terms and tools and techniques and some math that I can prove that I can do on an exam. Um, and then that does not translate well to real life. And so uh, giving students the opportunity to actually experience it. Um, I think it's an important component, at least for my class, to be able to experience that and bring the classroom material to life. And I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from students saying that um, that it really made a difference that they were able to uh, to do. That. In fact, I just um, I'm not teaching over the summer, but it was just uh, just last week I had a student uh, that sent me an email and had pictures of uh, of a process improvement that she had made, and she just said, "Hey, you know, I just." I had this problem and I fixed it and I just wanted to let you know <laughs> that I did this and it was because of you know your class that taught me how to do this it wasn't any, nice. anything earth-shattering but it made a difference to her so um, uh, it's those sorts of things that I'm looking for and that's really good yeah great well, cool I think that's that's awesome I appreciate your time happy to be Anything here and happy to meet you guys are you interested in learning more about Lean and Six Sigma? Or are you looking to expand your existing skills to apply them to environmental impacts at your work or in the local community? Check out our free online course called Lean Six Sigma and the Environment on thinkific.com. We'll teach you about the Lean Forms of Waste and Waste Walks, which stands for Water, Air Emissions, Solid Waste, Toxins, and Energy. We'll go over examples of reducing electricity and solid waste. 
teach you how to involve your facilities and environment safety and health personnel. We'll provide guidance on how to green your 5S and lean Kaizen events and many other tools specific to finding environmental opportunities. Learn more at leansixsigmaenvironment.org.